Well, hi, everybody. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to this um, special edition of Get Real with Rick Dancer. Why is it special? Because Tim Hindmarsh and me are together today. That's why it's special. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about the thing that we're not supposed to talk about. Um, and finally, people are talking about it. So it's okay that we can talk about it because now we can talk about it. Does that make sense? Our sponsors tonight are BS Free MD. Tim and May Hindmarsh, and they do their BS free. So I called Tim today and I said, Tim, you're a doctor. I know you'd like spend a lot of time in rabbit holes. And I know you know you're up on this. We're going to talk about the pandemic and the latest news out of the Department of Energy that uh, they agree with the FBI and they're saying it is likely that the pandemic started in the Wuhan lab. Now, why is that newsworthy? Well, number one, it would be really nice if we knew where it started, since um, when you find out where things start, you can find out why they started and hopefully not let them start again. Two, um, I think it's a, a, a call to action in our communities says that we need to be asking more questions, because when some of us did ask those questions, you called us names, you know, just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You wouldn't let us play your reindeer games. And... Some of the social media outlets shut us down, took us off, wouldn't let us talk about it, vexed us, shunned us. You called us murderers and all kinds of horrible things. And now it turns out that um, maybe we should be asking more questions. So Chris Dental Family Dentistry in Eugene, Oregon, Dr. Michael Bratlin, an outspoken uh, person for freedom of speech. Uh, and he's an awesome dentist. He's also one of our sponsors tonight. And then our good friend who is also a proponent of free speech, Matt McCarl over at New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. If you are someone who's never done the tank, you've never been in a hyperbaric chamber, let me tell you, Tim, it's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. No question it's, about that. You guys, you feel so good, and it's light therapy, and they have massage, and they do everything, and he's also a supporter of BS Free MD. Uh, because we all like to work with each other. And uh, it's so nice to have you on my kind of like list of staff that I could go, I know who I can get to talk about this because I know you're really into this. Um, I I'm going to read for people what Woody Harrelson said on Saturday Night Live. I took a picture of it so I could read it. Uh, Woody Harrelson was on Saturday Night Live. He was obviously um, stoned. And I interviewed him years ago at the Bijou Theater in Eugene. And he was really stoned. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, I'm interviewing him. And finally, I'm just sitting there talking to him. And I said, hey, hey, Woody. And he goes, yeah. And I said, are you stoned? And he said, did you really just ask me that? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, yes, I am. And I said, OK, I just wanted to know because I, I want to know what I've got to edit out of this thing, you know. But he said on Saturday Night Live, the biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and forth all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? He was talking about reading a movie script. He said, what if there was a movie script that said this? Who would ever believe it? And yet that's what we just went through over the last two years, three years. Um, Tim, talk to me a little bit about this news that's coming out. Um, does it surprise you? Uh, well, not really. I, I, you know, Malone has said, uh, you know, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone has said for, for a long time, the truth is like a lion. You just release it and it will take care of itself. And so I think that this stuff was going to come out. I think there's a point where, 
you can only deny so much and then it's like, you know, the truth comes out. I, I think the bigger question is not, you know, the lab leak. I think that there's been tremendous evidence for, you know, almost two years now that that's, you know, clearly this was right. a man created virus. It was done doing uh, gain of function. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we and the Chinese would be involved in gain of function, why it was done in that lab. That is a whole conversation in and of itself. I think that the more important thing is, is the timing. Why right. now? Why is it released now? And, and for me, I call it the David Copperfield effect, right? You know, when you go to see the magician, when the top heavy blonde comes out and the lights start flashing, you know, your eyes are attracted to her when really you should be looking behind the stage for, you know, what, what they're doing to trick you. And I think that, you know, this is the, the release of this information at this point is the top heavy blonde. Right. Something else is going on. And, and I, I think it also has to do with covering some ass because uh, the Republicans are now got the power. And it's, it seems McCarthy is really pushing and, and going to dig into this. And so it's better to come up and go, OK, yeah, maybe maybe that was that's probably what it was before everybody starts digging into your grave and your uh, in your cesspool, cut, cutting through that top of the crunch. So they get to, before you get to the stench that's going to come out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's an excellent point. Um, I I think you're naive to think that there's not going to be COVID investigations coming. Um, the Republicans would really have had to have got played for that not to happen. I mean, I think McCarthy's been far more aggressive than I anticipated him to yeah. be. Um, I think that uh, some of the more right wing side of the, the party holding his feet to the fire and getting to actually, you know, do this stuff is really it's going to potentially bear some tremendous fruit and it's going to be it's going to be an interesting you know movie to watch like pop the corn because there's a lot of weirdness that's going on here so tim as a doctor like what what's the the what's the significance of this coming from a lab what does that say versus if it would have happened naturally well i think i think you have to well, as a as a doctor, just as a practicing clinician, the scary part is, well, what else are they doing? Right. You know, you know what what in Pandora's box are we pulling out that could potentially be dangerous that we don't know anything about and we have no tools to treat? I mean, that's really, you know, from a physician's perspective. But, you know, you have to look at this like where this came from. And this was all post 9-11 stuff. So we were all concerned about a nuclear threat. You know, there was the Cold War and then, you know, all that kind of ended with 9-11 and then it was the war on terror. And then tremendous amounts of money were diverted after the anthrax scare, which was in what, 2000, end of 2001, 2002. You probably covered that. Oh, yeah. Well, when that happened, guys like Fauci and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease got tons of extra funding. Because now infectious disease can be, quote, weaponized. Right. Even though it was never weaponized before, other, you know, really, it, it never was. Chemical weapons were obviously in World War I. So, so a tremendous amount of Department of Defense money went into trying to protect us from biologic weapons. And, and then and this concept of instantaneous treatments for a biologic weapon. And that all started way back in 2002. 
Fauci was talking about that, about instant vaccines and instant treatments, because the next threat may be a biologic threat. And it never happened. I mean, SARS happened back in 2003 and it fizzled out. MERS happened shortly after. Same thing. It fizzled out. But there were like there was this whole group in the department that, that were influenced by the Department of Defense, you know, in the NIH and the NIAID is a subdivision of the NIH that were just absolutely scared to death that the next big thing was going to be a pandemic. And it was either going to be a biologic weapon or it's going to be natural. And we just had to deal with it, even though common sense would tell you if a pandemic was going to wipe out humanity, we would have already been wiped out. Right. So if this is if this is a man-made problem and look how easy it was to control an entire world. And I mean, I mean, you, I, you can just imagine people standing back and watching as this is going, going, oh, my gosh, I I, I always think I didn't think we could get him to do that. <laughs> you know, but like what he says, I mean, that you you they changed the, the, the whole dynamic of the economy, the world, the people. Um, attitudes, divisiveness. I mean, who needs bombs when you've got something like that? Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, if you've listened to any of Naomi Wolf's inter interviews, that's her thing. You know, she talks a lot about how, you know, she thinks a lot of the source of this is China. And, and for China, it's, you know, it's warfare. You do whatever you need to to win. And if you actually have to start shooting, you've basically lost. So the whole concept of asymmetric war where you do you do everything you can to subvert your enemy without actually shooting them, and and you think of 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 how the world uh, or the um, WHO has been kind of a client of China. Remember back to that Taiwanese interview where it was like, "What do you think of Taiwan?" And then the guy just like pulled the plug on the interview, and that was the end of it. You know, because because they were you know obviously a vassal state of China. And, and it's really, you know, it's really amazing when, when you think of this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. you know, where is it coming from? Is it is it the WEF? Is it China? Are they working together? But clearly it's it was, you know, looking back now and I've, I've discussed this with numerous patients, we were able to control the entire world for essentially a cold. You know, I'm not I'm not downplaying covid. You know, I've known people that have got really sick from it and it definitely killed people. But the average age of death was 80 years old in the United States. For the most part, it killed people that were going to die of a cold anyways. How many people die of the flu used to? Yeah, well, that the, the, the flu thing is an interesting thing because the flu stats are all complete BS, entirely huh. manufactured because uh, in 30 years of medical practice, I've had one patient who died of the flu the only the only diagnosis on the death that they could find was the flu what happened is i'm not sure exactly when this was but the cdc batches influenza and pneumonia deaths in the same line item oh so pneumonia used to be the number one killer of everybody you know 100 years ago what killed the most people in the world was pneumonia uh, William Osler, one of the most famous physicians of the you know last hundred years, said he called pneumonia the captain of the man of death. Okay, huh. so you got it was called old man's friend. You got old and you got pneumonia and died. Okay, so they so flu deaths were 
included in pneumonia deaths. So basically, if you died of a respiratory infection, you died of flu or you died of pneumonia. They were the same. So so this gets conflated. So people go 60,000 people a year die of flu. 60,000 people a year do not die of flu. They might have had the flu and got a secondary bacterial infection, which turned into a bacterial pneumonia and killed them, but they didn't die of the flu. Huh, I didn't know that complication of the flu, but they died of what used to kill everybody, which was bacterial pneumonia. So do you think we'll ever know how many people died with COVID and how many died because of COVID? No, never. Not, not a chance in a, we could be a billion years old and we won't know that number. I, I'm convinced of that. That's scary to me. Well, yeah, it is. But but the thing is, you know, it's it, I've filled out tons of death certificates. OK. And and, you know, it's part of it's part of the job as a primary care doctor. And there's the old quote from from Mark Twain. There's, you know, lies, damn lies and statistics. And then there's a, a fourth one, which is death certificates. And, you know, it's a, it's our best guess on what somebody died from. Right. You know, you, you right. find somebody at home. You saw them two days before they had an exacerbation of you know, lung disease or heart disease and then they're dead and you go, well, they died of heart disease. You know, it's pretty good gas, no big deal. But then there's stuff that goes on in death certificates that nobody knows about. So there's a, there's a box that says, did tobacco smoking, you know, did smoking contribute to this death? And, and then it's just a yes or no, it's a binary yes or no. So if they died of heart disease, you know, you can go, yeah, they smoked. Yeah. It probably contributed to it, but it doesn't ask any other behavioral thing. Huh? Did, yeah. does, did not exercising, did overeating, did having crappy relationships with their spouse, did all of these things that behaviorally hurt us? They don't ask those questions. They just ask smoking. So then they can come out and they can say that, you know, 150,000 deaths a year contributed to smoking. No, 150,000 deaths a year contributed to somebody ticking a box on a death certificate. Because, oh, I guess so. Yeah, because you don't, they don't know. You're making a guess. If I have, if I had some congestion, then you can say, well, more than likely that is caused by, exacerbated by smoking cigarettes. Right. So you, and, and but, if, or if you're a doctor who thinks a different way, you think, well, I, I don't really know. I'm not going to check that box. So it's, it's, so you, you're never going to know. My, I, when my mother in law died, she was having like all these stroke issues ahead of time. And so we had an autopsy done and they, you know, they came out, they, they didn't know. And, and then they told us, you know, it's only on television that they tell you when what people actually died of and are sure of it. He says in real, the real world, most people go to die and we don't really know what caused their death. No, well, it, it, exactly. You know, and, you know, look, it, and, and virtually nobody gets an autopsy. That's the other thing that people need to understand. You know, most most families don't want to deal with that. Right. You know, it delays burial. It's it's kind of gruesome to think of, you know, your your loved one getting, you know, it may cut up. It's a it's a pretty, you know, intense experience. Graphic. Yeah. Yeah. And so unless you really need an answer for a reason and there's reasons to do that. I mean, if you have a, a, a you know, an accidental indemnity policy on your life insurance and you died of an accident versus a the natural cause, that's a huge I mean, you know, it might be double the amount of life insurance that the survivor gets so you know there's reasons to do it but you know in the whole COVID era in the whole died suddenly and whatnot you know it's not like every single person that dies suddenly gets a autopsy and so right. we'll never we'll never really know it's conjecture at best um 
you know, common sense would tell you certain things, I guess, but you don't know. So as a doctor, is it troublesome to you to like Malone came out? Uh, there was also that um, the doctor from India who actually works at Stanford. I had him on my show. I don't know how I got him. <laughs> I mean, it was like a, yeah. And yeah, yeah. he was like he came out really early. This was like I think it was in April after we got like March when it when it came down in March of 21. Right. 20, 21, 21. And no, 20. And then um, it was like April or, or early May, I had him on the show and they were totally blasted and discounted. And now a lot of what they were saying is coming to fruition. I mean, it's, it's, it actually was true. And yeah, the me yeah. media shut him down, social media shut him down, everybody. And so I, I, as a doctor, that's got to be frightening too, that, that science wasn't discussed. It was just, it was managed. Well, right. But what's more disgusting to me is I call my own profession out because it's clearly, you know, we're not we're not thinking for ourselves. We're, we, we train physicians to do what they're told and that's it. And, and then you think and, and, and there's a reason why it works, because, you, you know, you take these people that are very competitive and then they compete to get into medical school and then they compete for their residencies. And then you saddle them with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and you tell them that if they step out of line, they're not going to have a job. So what do they do? They stay in line. Like in some respects, doctors are the ultimate conformists. And it absolutely drives me crazy because it, it, it is this tiny remnant that have been willing to stand up and say, no, this is this is wrong. This is I, I mean, I had a friend of mine see see a, a physician that I know that I respect. Tell him. Well, vaccine immunity for COVID is better than natural immunity. Okay, when has that ever been the case? When is when is natural immunity for anything not been better than a vaccine? And and, and not only that, that's a this is a vaccine that hasn't been thoroughly studied. We don't have any long term data on, and and it was rushed out in six months. And she can confidently say, right. It's better. Well, you can't. There's no studies on that. It's just doing what you're told. Like, it disgusts me. Well, you know, Tim, what, what makes me mad is like, like when I had prostate cancer, not one doctor would tell me what to do. Not one radiologist would say, you should do radiation. The, the surgeon didn't say, you should do surgery. It was left up to me. Yet with this, it's everybody should be doing this. Um, and so when is that, you know what I mean? When somebody, when they're telling you, this is what you need to do rather than I've never had someone like, even when I was getting a flu shot off and on, which I'll never do again. But when back in the day, when my, my business KEZI would offer a free flu shot, I went to my doctor and said, should I get it? He goes, Rick, you know, it's really up to you. Um, you know, sometimes it can help. Sometimes it can't you know, you're, you're pretty young and you're healthy. It's, it's up to you. He's not saying, you know, here's what you need to do. And yet, we still have, I want to hit this one too. We still have even here, like to go to the doctor, you have to wear a mask to go into the clinic. What, what didn't the CDC put out on its website? What, that, that, that's not effective. It's not no more effective than not doing it. It was a Cochrane review. So Co Cochrane reviews are the kind of the king of Kings of, of evidence-based medicine, as far as looking at studies and, and picking out which studies are the best, throwing out the junk, and, and basically what the Cochrane Review on masks came out and said is there's no evidence that they do anything. Now, the, the counter argument is, well, maybe the studies weren't good enough. And if we had good enough studies, it would show that they actually worked. 
But there's never been a study that shows that wearing a mask in surgery makes a difference either, believe it or not. Even though intuitively that makes sense. Because when you're operating on a patient, the issue isn't that that you're going to cough into the patient. It's that you're going to sneeze or drool into the patient. And the mask is obviously going to stop that. So droplets masks are great at. Aerosols, they obviously aren't or else you couldn't breathe through the thing. Right. So it's not breathing on someone that is going to do that. It's if you spit on them. C correct. And spitting in open wounds is not considered good form. <laughs> I try to stay away from it as much right. as I can. So how do you feel about how the, the, um, the press was handled, handled all this in terms of questioning? Isn't that the people, I guess you should be asking me that question, but are, aren't those the people that should be asking all sorts of questions instead of putting out that? It, it became almost like a propaganda war. Well, yeah, but I, I guess at this point, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I watch I watch college football and, you know, I started counting literally like that's how much of a weirdo I am. I started counting the number of drug ads per per, you know, oh, break. Really? Can you believe it? Yes. And so, so when you, when you see how bought and paid for industry is by drug companies, and then um, the Canadian COVID coalition came out and they, they made a small ad. I'll have to send it to you after you have to play it. It's just absolutely spectacular. And it's called brought to you by Pfizer. And it shows all these ad, like, you know, good morning America. And, you know, all of these different TV shows brought to you by Pfizer, brought to you by Pfizer. And the, and the thing that's interesting is, it's not that Pfizer's advertising a product. They're just sponsoring the show. And then they're getting a, you know, a 10 second plug for their company, but not for a specific product. And you go, why would you do that when you sell products? Like nobody, right. I mean, unless you're selling stock in Pfizer. Well, the answer is because then you own the narrative. Yeah. You're buying the narrative. And it's clear that that went on. Uh, you know, the, the, the anti-pharma narrative kind of never really took hold at all in in the conventional media which is amazing to me because you know the people that you would normally think would be anti big pharma the you know the right. the, the kind of left wing hippie people whatever all of a sudden they're getting you know they couldn't get enough vaccines and i'm like right. how did that completely invert that well, that didn't make any sense to me at all no, and I think what's interesting is I don't know that it's the hippies. I think it's the um, because a lot of my like super hippie natural friends would not do it because they don't put any kind of stuff in their body. You know what I mean? They were like and they were quiet. They weren't like, you know, out screaming or saying, I'm not going to do this. But quietly, there's a lot of people like that that I think people didn't consider that we're not doing it because um, they're natural people. They don't they don't put cough medicine in their body. Um, but yeah, but what you're saying is true. It's like, I remember coming to Eugene and I use this all the time. You'd see a shitty little Volvo uh, car all beat up and they'd have bumper stickers on that said, don't trust big pharma. Don't trust authority. Kill your television. Don't trust the news. Now, today, that would be a Republican's car. And the, <laughs> the left wing would be driving right. the car that said, do just, you know, the thing I got so tired of during all of us, just if just do it and do this and we can get over with this, we can get this over with. Well, you're not going to get it over with. It's a virus and it's not going away. So you either learn to live with it or you're going to going to be afraid of it. Well, no. And I mean, the guy that was 
probably the most forward thinking in this was was Bill Maher. He's like, you know, the the thing that fixes. I remember him coming out. This was back in I think it was in 2020. He goes, what fixes viral pandemics is our immune system. It's you know, it's it's like think think of your daily life. Your dog goes out, rubs itself on on your driveway, licks its rear and sleeps with you. And somehow neither of you die. Why? Because you have an intact immune system. And and I mean, he he was really out in front of this and, you know, he kind of got red pilled. At least it's, it seemed that way, um, you know, through this whole thing, because it, like the lunacy is just it, it's staggering. It just it's like the common sense has just been gone. And and how quickly people forget. Like, do you remember how bad it was? Yeah. No, two I was... and a half years ago, like no rock concerts, like nothing, nothing. And- and, and, and my wife and I were talking and my, my barber and my tattoo artist, both, the first time I went to them right after they opened, were in scrubs, surgical scrubs, rubber gloves, duct taped on all they had. Their shoes had rubber things on the shoes, duct taped, and then they had a mask and the shield. And they're sweating like a pig in there. And you're going, oh, my God, now today you can look back and laugh and go, what, what? But I mean, so so what do we we're probably going to see more coming out um, as things go. And what do what do you what as a doctor, what should people be looking for in terms of um, you know, I'm going to bring up one more thing. What I found really telling in all of this, what was the biggest comorbidity like the people that were most likely to die were either really old or obese diabetes, heart disease, all kinds of problems, which is not to discount them. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, where was the public awareness campaign? Let's, America, we have an opportunity. Let's get healthy. Here's the right way to eat. Instead of all the commercials from the pharma and about vaccine and all that, why didn't we have a campaign trying to make people less susceptible to this very dangerous, you know, COVID? And, and nothing, nothing came out. Nothing. Well, if you want people to be sheep, you want weak sheep. And if you want to sell product, you don't want them getting healthy because then you can't sell them your drug. No, but that's, ex- I mean, that's exactly the point, right? I mean, I, I remember this vividly. I was doing a telehealth for a patient and I totaled up the number of medications he was on. And it was like $1,800 a month retail and his diabetic control was still terrible and and i went i just said to myself uh 100 of this could be fixed with diet and exercise like zero dollars not 1800 zero and of course you know we come you know patients see us we're medical doctors so we prescribe medications and i get it it's hard because very few people really want to be engaged to the point of what it takes to actually own your health that's the problem and i i can't make that happen so then you write a prescription i mean i get it i'm not judging it as right or wrong but you know it it is what it is the drug companies are sure happy i mean you're on 1800 a month of prescriptions you're never going to get off of you're going to be on it for the rest of your life kathy was saying that we don't watch regular television i think it was the super bowl or something i know we were watching something on a regular tv and she just looked at me and she goes can you believe all the drug commercials? You know, I mean, it's just over and over and over. 
And she goes, I don't think they should be able to do that. You know, and then they tell you, of course, then I love they tell you all the downsides to the drugs. And you're going, why the hell would you take that? <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. But have you noticed? So they tell you, you know, they'll tell you that certain drugs will give you uh, a perineal infection, which is between, and they explain it, you might get a deadly infection between your genitals and your anus. In other words, a taint eating infection, which sounds like a terrible thing. Yeah. Uh, no bike riding for a while after that one, kids. But have you noticed with the Paxlovid ads, they don't say anything. They don't, right. they, they just say, if it's COVID, Paxlovid. They don't give any of the side effects. And the reason is it's not an approved drug. It's an emergency use authorized drug. So all of the stuff they have to do with an approved drug, talk about that. You'll be possessed by the spirit of darkness and your taint will explode and you might get depressed and you might get diabetes. They don't have to say anything. All they, all they have to do is say, if it's COVID, Paxlovid. I have never noticed that until you just said that. Yep. That's the way it is. If it was any other drug, they have to give you the side effects. And they can't tell you the side effects because, they, well, they won't or they don't know them all because it's well, not an approved drug yet. They know a lot because yeah. Paxlovid is, an, is, is the Austin Powers of medications. They pulled it out of the freezer, rethought it or unthought it, brought it to life. It's a, it's a combination of two failed HIV drugs that they, that they wanted to repurpose. And they did. And it and has... They, tremendous number of drug drug interactions it's very hard to give to many people that would need a covid medication because of the drug drug interactions but which they would have to tell you if you are taking blah 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 be careful this could cause rebound covid which it did for fauci and and uh who else was it the famous oh and uh Walensky that took it they got rebound covid which it can cause you know, they would have to they would have to disclose this in a normal ad. They don't have to because it's an EUA drug. Tim, what's coming up on your show? Thank you so much for that. I, I have just learned a bunch that I didn't Good. know. And I don't know that I wanted to know that, <laughs> but, but I'm glad yeah. I do. Well, and, so and I have a cold and I'm tripping on DayQuil. So this is this has gone better than I expected. <laughs> I'm really well. You're just like Woody Harrelson. He gets stoned and goes on TV. You just get drugged <laughs> up on Dayquil, you know. That's so right. what's coming well, up on the what's coming on Thursday on the podcast? BS Free MD. Uh, Stefan Neff, um, who is an anesthesiologist from New Zealand via his home of Germany, and he is going to talk to us about uh, his journey through addiction. And it, he puts it in such an amazing way. He go he he goes he talks about you know kicking his alcohol addiction and becoming a survivor but the real goal in life is to become a thriver yeah and we go through all of that and it, it was it was very very fun and really quite moving actually well tim hindmarsh uh dr tim hindmarsh thank you and tell may we're sorry she couldn't be here but we understand she's up getting hippie and uh, we'll find out more about that too all right awesome. tim thanks buddy thank you uh see you later okay so again um Take that, share it on your page if you want to. Um, and the moral of the story is ask questions even if they don't want you to and do your own research. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this stays up on all the different places where we're going to put it. We'll do a little test and see. Um, again, we want to thank our sponsors, BS Free MD. And if you want to find them, just go on to any of your favorite podcasting channels, Spotify, Apple, anything, and just look at BS like bullshit, BS Free MD. And you'll find them there. You can also find our show on there if you don't want to sit and watch us, but 
why would you not want to watch us? That's way more fun. And thanks to Matt and Carl at New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. Um, go over there, try that out. Um, I can't list the things that it can probably help you with because we get axed for that. Because you can't give hope to people unless it's medicine. <laughs> you can't sell anything on, on the internet except drugs. You can't sell alternative medicines. You can only give them drugs. Oh, and, um, and Chris Dental Family Dentistry in Eugene. They also do dentures now, too. One other side note. If you want to do something fun, go on Orstar on the Secretary of State's website in Oregon and go look at how many candidates got money from Pfizer. Just go look at how many. And it wasn't a ton, but they uh, almost all of, all of them. And then go look at what our former governor got compared to them from Pfizer. It will just warm your, warm your heart and make you glad you did what you did. All right. That's it for this. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Douglas Timber Operators coming on. We're going to talk about fish and fish and wildlife and what happens in fires. On Wednesday, we're going into the Canyon Ferry Dam at the reservoir here in, in Townsend. I met the guy who manages the dam. He's going to take us inside and we're going to show you how the dam works and what it does. And then on Thursday, a couple of years ago, I was in Idaho, went to this little bar outside in Victor, Idaho, and these, the band was playing, and all of a sudden they played these chords, and this black man sitting in the audience started singing an old slave song. And it was the most powerful thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And it's gotten so many views on our page. He called me yesterday and said, Rick, you remember me? And I went, yeah. And he's got a story that is just amazing about how his life was all screwed up and how his life has changed. And he said he'd sing for us too. So he's coming on Thursday. So uh, you get to hear from Rod, uh, my new friend from Idaho. All right. Have a good night. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. Again, share this on your page. See you later.